Murder. Murder. Welcome to Death Do Us Part podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey. So, I feel like we haven't recorded in months. Yeah, it feels like it. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. You know why? It's because being out of town... Um, Throws us off. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And this time we did four days instead of three because yeah. we took a day for travel. We did. Which was great for us. Louisiana, you are amazing. Amazing. Um, the best thing I've ever heard, and I've been telling everybody this, is the way that their heat was explained. Mm-hmm. When the one girl was like, when it gets hot dog water hot, I was like, that's <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah. That is cool. But listening to them talk about how the state fucking shuts down. Yeah, if it during snows, snow. I'm like, guys, it took me like three hours to get home from work the other day. And they're like, what? <laughs> right. And I, we were flabbergasted at each other. They're like, if it gets 40 degrees, we shut down. And I'm like, like we fucking what? roll our windows down. We're like, <laughs> yeah. heat wave. I'm in shorts. I wore a fucking t-shirt all day today. Uh. I, I left in a sweatshirt and then was like, my menopausal fat ass is hot. <laughs> and put a fucking t-shirt on, and it's like what 36 yeah 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 so but louisiana oh, you guys a, yeah. uh we had a great time amazing the, the fans were amazing yeah we learned we, a lot about russian boars because mm-hmm. we, we were like deep south yeah we were like lafayette damn near tip of we went to the tip yeah of Louis- we went louisiana. to the ocean we took jacks to see the ocean yeah but we were like deep south bayou mm-hmm. like passing plantations that are still standing as historical marks yep guys the houses are on stilts and they are like 20 feet high so we're in the town of lafayette where we were staying a lot of the buildings were up on like the best way to explain i know this is not what they are but the best way to explain it is like a large like potting plant yeah. That you would buy like a tree in. Right. That's not what they are. I know that's not what it is, but that's the best way I can explain it. So like what, two, three feet off the ground? Yeah. The closer we got to the ocean, the higher the fucking stilts were. Yeah, there was, was one crazy. house, I swear to God, it was four stories up in the air. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. That's nuts. Like how, how high does do the do water that? get? <laughs> well, my biggest fear would be like, do you go through the floor? Like And like what do you do if 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 the water does get that high, do you, I you mean, just wait it out? You just wait it out. Like, what do you do? And so they brought up like if they know snow is coming, they like clean out grocery stores and shit. Yeah. So do you do that when you know it's going to flood, or do you just like yeah. take your chances and grab the boat? That's because a lot of the homes also had oh, boats. They all had boats on trailers that were yeah. like midway between the ground. And their home. Yeah. So it was like their car was all the way on the ground. And then the boat was like two stories in the air. And then the house was like four stories in there. So you just like, do you take your boat? Yeah. I think you would. I mean. I was like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. It's it's crazy. That's. I, I don't know if I could live like no, that. And all the homes like right off the ocean. You could tell they were like. I don't know if they call them summer homes there. Because the summer like she said right. hot dog water hot. Right. But like they were all named and I, yeah. it was great. It was it was great. It was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful down place. there. Yeah. And Jack saw a, a palm tree for the first time. Yeah. He loved it. So he went crazy. Yeah. I got, it was a good time. I got great pictures of the ocean. We should put. Yeah. On the website because I yeah. did not anticipate them coming out that well. They look like postcards. Yeah, they do. Yeah. 
You did a good job. The ones of all of us where my fat arms are sticking out. But I mean, (laughs) guys, I like walked out of the hotel and I was like, I will never blow dry my hair again. Ever. (laughs) I would never have to. Yeah. It was it was hot. It was like literally and figuratively swamp ass hot. It It was very moist. It was very moist. (laughs) And it's funny because everybody that knows us was like, is Marcus sweaty fucking animal? And I'm like, right now it's me. Yeah. Like, I actually didn't do too bad. I did not do well. No, you no, were. I was a sweaty bleh. fucking animal. Yeah, you were. I, could, I couldn't help that. Yeah. I mean, I could have wore shorts. That might have fucking I, helped a little bit. I didn't. But. There was no touching for No, God, no. <laughs> Don't touch me. No. And then, uh, shout out to Mark. He drove for the I first did. time in Three years. I guys. did. I drove almost on the four expressway. years. Drove about drove about two hundred miles yeah. too. And I sent the picture to my mom, and she sent me back a message. Who's more nervous? And I said, Jackson. <laughs> he was straight up panicking. Yeah. Well, it rained on the way there for like what ten out of the fifteen oh, hours. God, about ten hours. And it, I, I'm not talking just rain. It was like. Yeah, shitty. Pouring. Pouring, yeah. So every time you offer to drive, I'm like, no, I'm good. I know. I'm good. I know. Good. I can't see where I'm going. There's no way you can fucking see. And my legs are quicker than yours, and they're not that quick. Right. But the way home, I did it. You did great. Got a little nervous during... It's okay. Like the construction area. Mm -hmm. You know, when there were... When there were two barriers on both sides, I got a little claustrophobic. I wanted so bad to fuck with you the way you yell at me when I drive, but I honestly I didn't want to freak out Jax. Yeah. I really didn't care about freaking you out. I didn't want to freak out Jax. Yeah. So I thought I did pretty good though. I you did well enough that I actually closed my eyes for a little while. You did. So You did. You did great. Thank you, babe. So you're Thank like you. a big boy now. I'm a big boy. Nah. You are. But yeah. Um, I graduated. You graduated. But uh, yeah, Louisiana, they were. Dude, everybody in the South is so fucking nice. It's I so want to be Southern. Than Chicago. Yeah. It's not even funny. The lovely lady at the hotel with the thickest accent I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. First of all, I wanted to hug her just because I'm like, she's got to be the nicest fucking lady in the world right? because of the way she sounds. And she asked me where we were headed. And I said, Chicago. And she was like, oh, shit. Oh, I'm sorry. And I was like, no, it's okay. I said, oh, shit, too. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. So, but they're so nice. And like, we had a great turnout. Yeah, it and was. everybody was asking questions. And they were good it was. questions. And it, it was one of the best panels that we've had. We had a girl tell us, the same girl who said hot dog water, told us that it was the best panel that she had been to. Yeah. Because we were so chill yeah. and laid back. and. Meanwhile, like you guys don't realize we're actually shitting our fucking pants. Right. Like we're right. counting you as you walk in the room like, <laughs> right. oh my God, there's seven more than last time. Right. But even the guy that was working the, uh, Secure the convention, tie. yeah, said that he was going to start listening too. And yeah. We were at the- And we did. Our Instagram, Instagram pretty much blew up. Yeah. We were at the Ra- Raging Cajun Convention Center. Yep. And you got to meet your idol. I Guys, I met Mick- fucking foley and yep. let me tell you something about mick foley uh so he wore his flannel shirt that he normally wears mm-hmm. and we told him we're like dude the last like six conventions you've been at yeah we've also been at right like, we're following you essentially but we have a reason to be here we're not just weird and following you like right. we have a reason and i go around the table because you know you could take a picture with him he is wearing maroon walmart brand fucking sweatpants <laughs> right. and i wanted to be like 
do you want to be my new dad? And the guy's a millionaire. <gasps> and he's, he's fucking great. He was texting his daughter about dinner. Yep. He was like, hang on, I got to send this text message. And I was like, oh, take your time. He's like, I'm hungry. I think you guys are going to be the last ones. And then someone's, someone's got to feed me. <laughs> he was great. And he, we, yeah, he was cool. He bullshitted for a little he bit. He did. And so like when these guys go, you pay X amount of dollars. You get a selfie. Yeah. You get to say hi and bye. And like a few of them have been very hospitable. Yeah. Uh, Ruby Soho yeah. was one. She was great. She recognized Jax the next fucking day and was saying hi to him. And But Mick Foley, like he chatted and yeah. he's like, oh, hang on, hang on. They brought you back when it was yeah. only supposed to be one of us. So yeah, they let they, all three of us get in the picture yeah. Um, because the lady was so excited that Jax was so excited. Oh, yeah. She's like, you know, you guys, is it's one thing. Like you guys grew up with him. She's like, but he's so young and he's so yeah. excited. So. He ended up putting on uh, his dude love hat, in his, his mankind, mankind mask, mask. and yeah. yeah. So he was he was great. And then Jax was asking him questions about Judgment Day, and yeah. he, I mean, full blown conversation. Yeah, it was awesome. Great, great guy. It Definitely awesome. does remind me of my dad, especially with the pants. Yeah, and the flannel shirt. I really wanted to see if he was wearing sandals. I no, really I think feel he like, always wears slip ons. Does he? Yeah. I mean, like I feel you. Slip ons. Yeah, me fucking too, dude. I ain't been yeah. down the time issues, but. He he was now Snoop Dogg does. I know that's because he's getting old, man. He's he's really getting old. I'm telling you, but his hairline keeps <clears throat> getting further back. He's just and, crawling away from his fucking eyebrows. Uh, but he's definitely the nicest famous person I've ever met. Yeah, he is. I I gotta he, agree. With he that. was he was fantastic. I gotta and agree the with lady that. took a butt ton of pictures. Yeah, on multiple phones. Like it was it was a great experience. It, it was a hundred percent worth the money. Yeah, you know we met. CM Punk was he was pretty nice yeah, yeah. um but when Jax mentioned your old wrestling federation yeah he looked I at Jax like how the fuck do you know that yeah but yeah Mick Foley was he was I wanted to be like can I hug you Please? right can I can I maybe call you dad when we see you next time <laughs> right so because we are he's probably going to be in Chicago yeah he's probably going to be C2 he was last time so this time I'm going to bring him a beer and like a hot dog yeah and be like, you want a dog? Yeah. Let me get your dog. That's cool. But yeah, um, everyone so, around Chicago, our next event is going to be March 31st at the McCormick place mm -hmm. for C2E2. I just got the not notification. While we were gone, actually. Yeah. yeah. While we were down in Louisiana, I got the yeah. notification that uh, we got accepted. We did it last year. Yeah. So. Yeah. I really, really... I'm seriously considering dressing up this time. You should. Why I mean, don't you? Don't you say know. it every time I say and it you every don't. Every fucking time and I don't. Yeah. This time in, in Louisiana, I was like, I'm gonna wear tight pants and a tank top. <laughs> that was that was completely out of the norm for right. me. So right. This one was a dry one though. Couldn't drink. Yeah. I, I had every yeah. fucking intent. This time I was like, you know what? I say I'm going to every time, but I was like, I'm gonna get a fucking beer. Yeah, this one you couldn't. No, and the last one I tried, they ran out. We had we just had some good lemonade, we and that that oh, lemonade was great. fucking delicious. Four dollar uh, refills, you can't fucking beat that. But yeah, C two E two, I know you can drink. Yeah, so, so we'll mm -hmm. be drinking. Right now we're drinking coffee because we're old. Yeah, you made me iced coffee, and it is fucking delicious. He wanted my last monster. I did. Which, by the way, uh, the guys at work were dying when. So Mark called me today and wanted me to get him a monster i was like there's another one in the fridge 
well, Jax can't find it. Well, Jax is your son. He does not look past his ass. Yeah, and then when he looked in the refrigerator, he's like, but it's so far back. So I made him like, FaceTime for, me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I could show him where like, it was. Like, all you have to do is look, dude. Oh, my God. They were dying. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So anyways, um, do you like my new Macho Man I glasses? Can't, there's like shark teeth stuff on them, right? I yes. can't see that right now. I can just see the the sunglasses yes oh i'm gonna post them on mm. our instagram and facebook we did see a guy dressed as macho man yeah this we time did with uh amazing cowboy boots we did but yeah. babe these sunglasses are ten dollars i know i i i had to get them i couldn't pass them up okay i know you like we're going crazy with am stuff on amazon and like we got to take it easy but I, it's really not like i couldn't pass them off a hundred percent disclosure these sunglasses were the only thing that we didn't like need from amazon <laughs> I, know. I just i don't have time to go to a fucking store right so we just order one thing at a time you think the amazon you know there was uh, a thing on I don't fucking remember one of the platforms. This Amazon driver was bitching about people who order shit every day. Oh, really? Uh, honey, baby, sweetie child. Oh, I'm uh, the reason you have a fucking job. Exactly. I'm sorry that I decided that I had to have phone chargers and straws 12 hours apart. But yeah, you know what? Right. It is what it is. Uh, it I don't is know what to what fucking it tell is. you. Yeah. So, Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So uh, business, Patreons. Yo. We got some new Patreons. Oh, you were looking at me to... Sorry. Yeah, we're like almost 15 minutes in, so. Oh, God, because I feel like we haven't. We haven't talked in a while. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we really haven't. Even on the trip, we really didn't. No, we didn't. I think, like, by the time we were driving home, like, I, neither one of we us wanted so us. We were so tired. Well, we didn't like, feel like it. I didn't want you breathing in my direction. You didn't want me breathing in your direction. Yeah. Like, I knew we had a 15-hour drive and I had to go to work. Yeah. So, like, we got home at 2.30 a.m. Yeah. And by the time I unpacked the car and, like, sat, I was like, fuck, I got enough time to, like, shower and I know. go to work. I know. So, we do. We have two new patrons. We have Courtney. Courtney, thank you. And we have Jillian. Jillian, thank you. I like that name. Welcome to the Jillian. family. Uh, you guys are fabulous. You're going to learn very quick. I am fucking trash. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't help it. I try. I, I do try. I promise, guys. <laughs> no, you don't. I do. I try not to be trash. I'm just not good at it. Yeah, she will not answer messages. She tries, but I, I answer them in my if head. You have a, if you have a question, come on Instagram or Facebook. Send me a message. Yeah, he and answers. I answer. I enjoy getting your messages. If you get a if you message, and I'll relay on, it to yeah. Jamie if it's something about Patreon but that's you, not working. If you or message on Patreon, that'll be me answering. Yeah, and I try. I I promise all of you. I think of you daily, and I answer you in my head. I know that means absolutely dick, but. Yes. I, try, I try. I'm sorry, guys. And if you are interested in becoming a Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash death do us part, the number one. Uh, there are several different platforms that you could. Mm-hmm. You tiers. Could, tiers that you can choose from. Um, you get ad free episodes, uh, some extra stuff. Um. Come and we're going to plan a Zoom. I told Mark we got to yeah, plan I, one. Yeah, this month we're going to plan a Zoom. I think it's going to be for the 26th. 
Sunday oh. the 26th. That's I think. the date you picked? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll, I'll post everything. Nothing yeah. set in stone yet, but I will post um, for the 10 through the $20 tiers, mm-hmm. you will be invited to a Zoom meeting with me and Jamie. Mm-hmm. You could ask us whatever you want mm-hmm. and we'll talk and have a good time. We did last time. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's the dilio. That's the business. So what case do you have lined up for us today? Okay. So today. Today. And I feel like I've heard of this case, but I wasn't sure. I don't know. Uh, We are doing John Albert Gardner. Okay. Now, he is actually a junior, but he says he's the third. The third. Yeah. His grandfather had a different middle name. So I wrote uh, John Albert Gardner Jr. slash the third. The third. I think I'm going to start going by the first. I think that would be fucking stupid. Why? What do you mean, why? Mark Anthony Kaczewski the first. Because you sound like an idiot? Yeah, true. I mean, just saying. If you're going to start talking like that, then I'm going to start talking like I'm from the South. You should. Just saying. And then people will be like, who the fuck are these people? I know. They're going to be like, what is wrong with you? Are these people like on the short bus? They really had a fucking stroke. They really did. (laughs) One of the guys at work today was like, uh... Am I slow or does it smell like toast? And I said, well, the two people sitting in the room with <laughs> you. smell like toast? Yeah. Isn't that fucking weird? And I'm like, the two people sitting in the room with you have fucking brain injuries. Yeah. So I don't think you're asking the appropriate people. Right. And why do you smell toast? What's How do you smell you? toast? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I question him a lot. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So he's uh, circling his finger at me to get started so yeah all right so john albert gardner jr was born april 9th 1979 in culver city california to parents kathy osborne and john senior kathy and john were not initially married but moved in together after she got pregnant kathy had two daughters from a previous marriage uh her daughters shannon and serena they were born when kathy was actually 15 and 16 respectively she was married to a 25-year-old soldier. Um, it was not a happy marriage. It ended in divorce, and he repeatedly tried to kidnap the girls. Wow. So uh, John also had two daughters from a previous marriage. Not a lot is said about the girls. Um, I found maybe their names in one source, but their ages weren't divulged, anything like that. Yeah. Um, he said, or his ex-wife said, the, and the mother of the two girls, so that he expected babies to be adults and he couldn't stand the crying. Like, he couldn't deal with it. Yeah. He couldn't figure out why they were crying. Because uh, they're babies. Yeah. They're a baby. Yeah. He was no different with John Jr. Kathy had a difficult pregnancy, which was followed by John being a difficult baby. Um, he was super colicky. He didn't sleep. Oh, my God. Jack's Jackson. all over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, while John Sr. flipped a shit, 24-year-old Kathy... Tried to take it in stride. Um, she had always been the caregiver of the family. She ended up taking care of her five siblings um, because her mom was severely depressed. Um, mm. She was later diagnosed as bipolar, but untreated. So uh-huh. she ended up spending a lot of time with her grandma and then coming back and caring for her siblings. Yeah. Um, as she got older, though, she would eventually end up caring for her siblings' children, too. 
So between that, oh, wow. the four girls, and then John, who ended up with a debilitating back injury, she had her fucking hands full. Yeah, sounds like um, it. But in addition to being everyone's caregiver, she worked eight hours a day with a two-hour commute daily and was putting herself through nursing school. Wow. So she was she was That's, getting it done. Yeah, yeah. she was. Uh, when John was four months old, Kathy was actually kidnapped from the grocery store. What? Yeah. She was uh, shoved into her own car, taken to a hotel, and repeatedly raped for seven hours. Oh, my God. Uh, the rapist then took her car, drove it down the street, let her go out of the hotel room, but was never caught. Jesus. Yeah. So, like, and she still, I mean, she ended up, she ended up becoming a psychiatric nurse and was head of, like, the uh, Association of Psychiatric Nurses in California. So, yeah. Like, she was, she she did the damn thing. Wow. Um, because, Dude, that's fucking, yeah. that's nuts. So, her and John ended up getting married uh, in an attempt to give her a sense of kind of security and protection. Uh, but really, he was a dick. <laughs> So, I mean, it didn't really help any. Right. Um, and then John Jr., they started noticing behavior changes in him as early as four. Yeah. And around the age of four, he was actually put on Ritalin for ADHD. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then John would allege that between the ages of five and six, he was molested by a female family friend. Um, mm. Not, couldn't find much on it, you know? Really? Um at age six, he started showing signs of uh, depression, which uh, they said was either a side effect from the ADHD medication, which could happen. Yeah, definitely could. Or the molestation. They don't know. Uh, yeah. uh, between, could be too. Yeah. Between the ages of six and seven, he started playing with fire. Uh, uh, he lit a large field on fire, but got away with it. Yeah. Uh, so then John Sr., uh, like I said, was not the greatest guy. Ended up getting put on permanent disability because of this debilitating back injury. Um, I feel your pain, brother. Yeah. Well, except he was an abusive alcoholic. Oh. Uh, and when he got, I don't feel your yeah, pain. When brother. he got bored with alcohol, he developed a cocaine habit. Oh Jesus. Uh, he drained the family bank account of ten thousand dollars, and Kathy was like, "Yeah, that's gonna be it for me." Mm -hmm. uh, when that's all she wrote. Mm -hmm, when John Jr. was nine. Kathy and Joe Sr. separate, John Sr., excuse me, separated. Uh, John Jr. blamed Kathy for the, the separation, and he was very protective of his father and ended up living with him for a while after the separation. His behavior became so out of control, though, the school actually called Child Protective Services. Oh, wow. Um, they sent him back to Kathy, but it really didn't help. Yeah. His behavior almost got worse. Yeah. Um, because of his behavior issues, he was put into uh, special education classes for um, like emotional disturbances. He had an average of five fits a day. Um, oh my god! That included him throwing objects, himself included, uh, against the wall. And how old is he at this time? He was around nine or ten. Yeah, something's know. going on. Yeah, which I mean, they knew, you know. Yeah. And Kathy tried. She really did try to to keep his treatment up, and yeah. Um. So around this time, Kathy met a new man named Dan. He was an electrician, and Dan the man. Dan the man. Kathy said that John was showing like signs of suicidal ideations. 
So she took him to uh, UCLA Hospital. And on February 1st of 1989, he was admitted for five weeks. Oh, wow. He um, had violent tendencies towards the staff and the other kids. And when he was first put in, they diagnosed him with adjustment disorder with mixed emotional features. Yeah. ADHD with symptoms of major depression and chronic depression. Yeah. Uh, He immediately started individual therapy and family therapy, which Mm -hmm. seemed to help. Yeah. He did become less angry and less resentful. Okay. And at the end of the five weeks, uh, his discharge diagnosis was changed to just ADHD and adjustment disorder with mis- mixed emotional features. Mm. Um, it was also agreed upon that John could start spending Saturdays with his dad, okay. which helped a lot. Did it really? Um, his ADHD didn't improve, though, mm-hmm. which I feel you, brother. Yeah. Oof. Um, so the doctor doubled his Ritalin, Mm. but it caused him to start hallucinating. Oh, geez. So now I feel like catch 22, he was very sensitive to medications like you are. Yeah. Um, to the point, like when they started making medication changes, they would hospitalize him to do it. That's almost what I, yeah, that's almost basically me. Right. So the hallucinations landed John in a children's psychiatric hospital for two months. This time they discharged him on antidepressants, which didn't help. It made it worse at that point because he was having reactions to it. Yeah. He ended up being immediately, like within a week, readmitted for 30 days for medication adjustment. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctors finally decided to take John off the Ritalin altogether. Mm. Uh, but finding a new medication that would help really prove difficult yeah they tried several medications including lithium which was common um but everything caused terrible side effects oh i know so kathy and dan ended up enrolling john in a school for emotionally and behaviorally challenged boys and when john jr was 12 kathy and dan married dan really tried to be a positive influence um to, to John Jr. And he was around for a while. He would drive him to work and then he would coach his baseball teams. And I mean, he really tried. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy and Dan moved around a lot. So John Jr. didn't get to see his dad very much. Yeah. Um, and really through all this, his behavior never got better, but never really got worse either. He was almost, I don't want to say stable because I don't think he was ever stable, but I think he yeah. was as stable as he was going to get. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, until puberty. <laughs> so as a teen, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and he would have periods of high euphoria followed by manic episodes. Mm. And he, he is like classic textbook like symptoms for these diseases. Is he really? Um, so in high school, he was experiencing a high sex drive, delusions of grandeur, false beliefs, and poor judgment. Now, on the other hand... He was described as having a great sense of humor, and he was a loyal friend. Mm. A former girlfriend um, said that he was like the Energizer Bunny in bed, but he always <laughs> yeah, he always asked before he did anything. Yeah. He was very caring and attentive to her. Um, he also was tested and had an IQ of 113. Mm. He was borderline genius. Wow. Mm-hmm. Borderline genius. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now with the girlfriend, because of his nonstop sex drive, he did cheat on her a lot. 
Um, and this included sleeping with five women in the same night at a party. Whoa. What kind of fucking parties are you going to? What party is that, dude? And I would like to know the girls who were like, are you done? Cool. <laughs> right. 20 minutes. 20 minutes, I'll be done. We'll dude. switch. Girls don't generally. Oh, my um, God. Two minutes and yeah. I'm. Oof. Girls don't generally like do that. That's crazy. Yeah, so. Uh, by 1996, though, him and Dan were no longer getting along and they were fighting a lot, which actually caused a lot of fighting. Um, Speaking to the mic, babe. Sorry, I was reading. Um, it caused Jeez. a lot of fighting between Dan and Kathy, uh, which actually led Kathy to file for divorce. It was amicable, but they divorced mm. no less. Yeah. Um, in 1997, John Jr. graduated from high school. Do you want to know the name of his high school? What? Rim of the World. Rim. <laughs> Who, why, why not just butthole of the who world? Who in the holy fuck said, let's take a bunch of teenagers right. and put Rim in the name of their school? <laughs> that is a brilliant fucking idea. Uh, just call it butthole. Rim of the world. <laughs> yeah. So after he graduated from butthole high school, um, he stayed with Kathy and attempted college. But it Poop did, shoot. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it didn't last long, though. He dropped out of college after a few months and then moved uh, to L.A. Oh, yeah. I thought it was like, did I really? Yeah. <laughs> um, so he moved in with his cousin in L.A. Yeah. Uh, by March of 1998, that didn't really last long either. And he moved back in with Kathy, um, who had just bought a brand new home in Rancho Bernardo. Rancho Bernardo. Which is outside of San Diego. San Diego. Now, I would like to... I did write something about San Diego that I would like to say now. Stay classy? Uh, I'm telling you, dude. Yeah. Uh, so, San Diego is the nation's eighth largest city. Hmm. At least at the time that was written when I read it, which I didn't read when. Um, it was a metropolis of 1.2 million people, over hmm. 324 square miles, and had vastly differing geography. Uh, there were subregions created by urban planners that kind of catered to wherever they were, east, oh. you know, west, north, okay. whatever. Uh, it was a unique population uh, with a distinct character for each subregion. The pictures I see of it, I, I want to go there so bad. Yeah, it looks mm. amazing. I think, um, I think one of my girlfriends went there for her honeymoon. Really? Yeah. Because it, it's beautiful. I'm almost positive she did. The beaches look amazing. So uh, so he was working random jobs. Um, oh, I wanted to write this more, but I didn't. Um, <clears throat> in January of 2000, he started dating a co-worker uh, who was 18 and still in high school. Ooh. Now, in 2000, <clears throat> he would have been like, well, I was 18 in 2000 and brand yeah. So he was like 21-ish. You know? uh, that's um, same thing I did. <laughs> eh, well, she got she got pregnant. Oh, well, my girlfriend didn't. So he proposed. Um, but after much discussion and pressure from everyone around her, she ended up having an abortion and the... Schmishmortion. Uh, a schmishmortion. He was 20, sorry. And the couple broke up. Um, around this time, he became friends with a 13-year-old female neighbor. Hmm. In March of 2000, he saw her standing at the bus stop for school and offered her a ride. 
when he got her to the school, she didn't want to go in. So he was like, hey, why don't you come back to my house and watch some movies? Mm, Netflix and chill. Mm-hmm. So they went back to his house his house to watch Patch Adams. Do you remember that movie? Patch Robin Adams. Robin Williams. Oh, when he's the, the doctor. doctor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> John started rubbing her back about 30 minutes into the movie. Oh, boy. You know what happens yeah. with that. Well, at first she was okay with it, but then grew uncomfortable, so he stopped. Yeah. Um, but he didn't stop for long. He started again. This time, though, getting on top of her, he took her pants off and put his hand in her underwear. She pushed his hand away before he could do anything too intrusive, is how she explained it. Um, do we need a trigger warning? No, for it this? doesn't. I don't get that. No. <clears throat> um, he unzipped her pants and then put his mouth on her breast. She screamed. Mama. So he covered her mouth. Um, he covered her mouth with his hand and then he hit her. He ended up repeating this for about an hour and a half. And then when he felt that he was done, he hugged her and apologized. Oh, I'm sorry that I just molested you. Right, for an hour and a half. Right. Right. Uh-huh. She re- and he didn't do anything to like stop her from going anywhere. She ran to a neighbor's house. Yeah. Um he was immediately arrested. And on March 20th of 2000, he was indicted by a grand jury for three counts of felonious aggravated sexual abuse yeah. to which he pled not guilty. Now, not guilty. Yeah. Dude. Uh, sir. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So police began a thorough investigation into John and through this found out that he had previously, but consensually, touched a 14-year-old girl. Um, Based off of this, though, they added a charge of molestation on April 11th. John's attorney wanted to avoid a criminal trial, so he attempted to make a deal with the prosecution. Mm Mm-hmm. Hoping for some leverage in the negotiations, John's like, uh, I'll take a polygraph. Okay. He failed. Dipshit. Sir, what are you doing? So now the DA was like, well, that was fucking stupid. Yeah. Because uh, now we're not giving you any fucking deal. <laughs> right. So he felt that, you know, he had a strong case before, but now he was more confident in his case and rejected any and all attempts for a deal. Um. They obviously knew that an acquittal, sure, shit was not going to happen. Yeah. So his attorneys convinced him to plead guilty to three counts of lewd and lascivious acts on a minor and one count of false imprisonment. Wow. On May 31st of 2000, he entered that hey, plea. my birthday. Mm-hmm. And prior to sentencing, the state required an on-the-record allocution, which I had to look up. Yeah, wh- what is that? They, they give him the opportunity to make a statement. And then okay. the judge will make a statement directly to him. Oh. That's what that means. Okay. Um, so they wanted it on the record to show that they gave him the opportunity to speak. Yeah. Um, he was sentenced to six years in prison for all counts. Mm. And in July of 2000, a forensic psychiatrist said that John, quote, does not suffer from a psychiatric disorder. He is simply a bad guy who is inor- inordinately, Jesus Interested in that young girls. That is a tough word. It is a word. tough word. I spelled it right. Yeah. Can't say it. Uh, who's interested in young girls. <sighs> he is a danger so to society. A yep. And he would not benefit from sex offender treatment. Wow. Uh, so in prison. That's a strong statement. Yep. That's a very strong statement that yeah. nobody listened to. Uh, um, he was put on suicide watch multiple times. 
uh, had multiple psych ward visits and spent several stints in solitary confinement. Mm. Um, the thing is with him, though, like he knows he yeah. he knows it. He He will say, I mean, take this with a grain of salt. He couldn't stop. Of course. Um, so on September 26th of 2005, he was paroled after serving five of his six, five years of his six year sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, he was labeled a moderate to low risk sex offender with a 12.8% chance of reoffending in the next five years. Wow. It's very specific. That is. Yeah. Uh, while he was in prison, Kathy married her fourth husband, Kevin. John began working with his former stepdad, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he would be exposed to outside families, it is believed that this increased his risk of reoffending to upwards of 98%. Wow. So uh, in October of 2005, he moved into a San Diego apartment, which was his home for the next two years. He would end up reconnecting with an old friend named Donna, who uh, they started dating, and she quickly became pregnant with twin boys. Wow. Okay. Um, during this turn, during this time, term, term, <laughs> he started a long-term sexual affair with his aunt, who is eleven years what? his senior. In his with aunt, his aunt, his aunt by blood, it was his mother's sister. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this guy's not right in the head. No, and neither is multiple family members. Right. That, you know. Um, I, she's on record saying, well, I told him that people would look at us weird. You think? Sweetie, they do. Yeah. They do. You think? They do. Um, so in September of 2007, he was actually told that he was living too close to a school and he was given three days to move. No. Um, so because this was technically a violation of his parole, he was put into a halfway house and given an ankle monitor. Uh, because of this, he this Cook County. Yeah, right. Um, it because of that. Wait till you hear him anymore. He ended up losing his job with Dan, uh, and he was able to find work with another electrical company, but it was a significant pay cut. Uh, because of this, he could not pay his child support and had obviously problems with Donna. Uh, he started drinking heavily and smoking pot, and by May of 2008, he was homeless, living in his truck. Uh, in August of 2008, he had managed to save up enough money to get an apartment. However, he had, and I have to, I have to make sure I'm terming this right. He had seven serious parole violations, what? including living too close to a school, going outside of designated geographical area, and possession yeah. of marijuana. But there were 168 incidents that fell into these categories. Dude, my mind. I is wish you guys could see like the look blown. on his face right now, looking at me. Um, he would go onto prison grounds. They think giving contraband. Uh, he spent yeah. time near a daycare center, and ended up spending a lot of time in remote remote locations, which come into kind of, that come, comes into play later. Yeah. Um. So despite this, his parole ended September twenty sixth of two thousand and eight. So they never really violated him and put no. him back in prison. They put him in a halfway house all. and gave him an ankle bracelet. Yeah, yeah. which is nothing. Mm-hmm. So in uh, November second of two thousand and eight, John Senior died at the age of sixty four. Um, he ended up marrying, remarrying his first wife. Yeah. Um, but had COPD and karma, you know. Yeah. Uh, everything just kind of went downhill after that. 
So in December of 2008, he was laid off from his job. In February of 2009, he had his truck repossessed. Mm. And the girl he was dating at the time uh, postponed their moving in date. Yeah. Well, it's because she went to rehab. So, yeah. Okay. Got to flip. Got to flip the page. We're going to talk about one of the victims. Okay. A little bit. Uh, Amber Leanne Dubois, I believe is how you say it, uh, was born October 25th of 1994 to parents Carrie and Mo, who ended up getting married in September of 1995. Uh, they separated seven months later. He filed for divorce in Orange County in May of 1996. She filed five years later. It was never resolved, and they were due to go to court again on February 9th of 2009. Um. Amber spent weekends with Mo and his girlfriend, Rebecca, in Orange County, but would also stay with her grandmother, Sheila, a lot, who was a lawyer, yeah. and Carrie's mom. Uh, she did live permanently in Escondido with her mom, Carrie, and her her mom's boyfriend, Dave, and also her half-sister, six-year-old Allison. Uh, she loved animals and wanted to be an animal behavioral scientist, which I didn't know was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. She ended up joining the FFA, which is the Future Farmers of America, at her school and was fascinated with wolves. Uh, On February 13th, 2009, at 6.20 a.m., she texted her grandmother Sheila back from a text the night before. Uh, Her mom, Carrie, had left at 4 a.m. for work, but woke her up a little bit prior to leaving to remind her to get a check from Dave. Uh, At 6.15, Dave left a check for Amber for her lamb that she had to buy for her FFA project. Yeah. Uh, who she was going to name Nanette. Aww. Uh, she left the house in black jeans, a white shirt, a dark hoodie, and had a sapphire ring. Um, she also had a new book that Dave had bought her the night before at Barnes & Noble and a stack of valentines that she was going to give her friends. Aww. At 6.44 a.m., she texted her friend Julio... Uh, they usually met at Laner and Vista, uh, the intersection, but he he never saw her or heard back from her. It was a cold and drizzly day. It was assumed that her hood had been pulled up. Mm-hmm. Some people saw a hooded figure walking, assumed it was her. Yeah. Uh, Amber's last class ended at 2.45. Carrie figured that she went to hang out with some friends until 5.30, which was very usual for her. And she would always call if she was going to be later than that. Yeah. So, I don't want to hit the mic and piss you off. Uh, Dave got nervous when she didn't come home by 3.30, so he called Carrie. Uh, Carrie didn't know either, so she called her cell and left a message. Dave assumed that she stayed late at the school to play with her lamb that she Aww, had bought. I know. I want a lamb. I know. Um, so, he ended up seeing a teacher and was told that Amber didn't show up at all at school. Yeah. And the teacher's like, well, we called and, you know, didn't get an answer. Yeah. So they, Dave went home and they, they had called. They called at 1230. Dave was out at a movie, I believe, and Carrie was at work. So obviously they didn't see her. At 547, Dave called 911. Uh, within an hour, Escondido officer Russ Gay arrived at the house and described Amber as a, quote, missing juvenile at risk with unknown circumstances. He said he just felt that something was wrong after interviewing the parents. So they immediately started a search. Really? So the cops in both of these cases, like, they didn't fuck around. 
Yeah, it sounds like and it. And it started. That's, that's good. Two cops, each different case. Yeah. We're both like, I just, I got a bad feeling. Yeah. I got a gut feeling something's not fucking right. And mm. they started the search immediately. That's good. So, you know, they entered. It's more than most yeah. departments. They entertained do. the idea that she could have run away, mm-hmm. but this guy really pushed. Yeah. You know, because her parents are like, no, like she's like clockwork, just yeah. like the other one. So, um, they said it was an unprecedented move to call in the family protection, um, not attorneys, the family protection unit the next morning. Yeah. Um, so they they did find out the following day that they were interviewing her parents. And while they were interviewing the parents, someone turned her phone on at 2.30 for 30 seconds. Mm. So it wasn't long enough to track, but they were able to catch a ping off of it. Yeah. It was uh, it pinged at a tower north of her home in her high school. Yeah. So that that particular tower covered a five mile radius. Yeah, I know. The pings are a yeah. pain in the ass. So they, it's, it, it's not you just much, get like, right? Yeah, and you get like yeah. meters from it, and it's yeah. Uh, well, they immediately after this ping put out a reverse nine one one call. Um, over a several mile radius. So. You got a drink. Yeah, sorry. Goop, goop, this goop, brought goop, in goop, goop, tons goop. of phone calls, which they thought were credible tips. Most of them were not. However, they were able to establish somewhat of a timeline from the yeah. tips. Um, a uh, At 7.09, uh, a father and a mother of separate students saw Amber walking. Okay. Um, so the mom... The particular mom that saw her said that she was talking to a dark-skinned, quote, doughy boy who was 60. Doughy boy? Doughy boy. That's the what she The fuck does it. that mean? Uh, chubby. Husky. Uh, I'm used to big boned. Yeah. Uh, That's who, what my mom used to call me. He You're was just a, big boned. Who was about <laughs> six to eight inches taller than her. Um, a, And the dad, the, the dad saw, he said he saw her walking down the street with the, her hood pulled up. Yeah. Um, the police estimated that these sightings were approximately 30 to 45 seconds prior to them dropping their kids off. Um, and Amber had the same routine every single day. Yeah. Which means every single day she was seen on surveillance cameras on her walk to school. Mm-hmm. That day she was not seen on all of them. Yeah. But this allowed them to pinpoint, okay, well, she was here at this time. And then she wasn't here at this time when she should be. Right. So they were able to kind of get a decent timeline. Um, the following Tuesday, a classmate reported seeing Amber that Sunday, and she'd already been missing, uh, by a, quote, party area. So now the cops are really kind of looking more into the runaway theory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. On February 17th of 2009, the search and rescue team started. Um, they had volunteers, upwards of 180 people. Holy Moly. Yeah, they went door to door searching with flyers. Uh, they searched 50 foreclosed and abandoned homes and warehouses. Jesus. Um, they searched avocado fields, canyons, and under roads. They did pull in dogs to look for um, yeah. live trails. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, they went over the same routes with cadaver dogs. Yeah. Uh, they searched the area around the school, which had a drainage ditch and a creek bed. Um, they searched those for, for three days. Wow. Um, the FBI was contacted almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And within 10 days, a task force had been formed 
Um, it surprised it wasn't sooner. I know it consisted of ten of the uh, police officer investigators, two FBI agents, and one representative from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Yeah, they're great, by they, the way. They are. Yeah. Oh my god. They, um, uh, the help that they give is amazing. It is. It really is. And just wait. I'm, just wait. Um, they ended up meeting daily for several weeks. Yeah. And then after that, um, they met twice weekly for the next year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so the cops are still questioning the runaway theory. So now they're looking into the parents, which they have to, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So they search it's their... routine. Yeah. They search their criminal records. Um, the boyfriend had some minor misdemeanor. Um, and the mom allegedly had arrests for like burglary and shit like that. Whoa. Until they looked a little further and found out that a woman who had actually committed, it was armed robbery, who had committed the armed robbery had used her name. Her name. Yeah. So they kind of like side-eyed the parents for a while. Yeah. When they, you know, they really didn't need to. Um, so a, a, a private investigator offers his services kind of right away. They end up having a falling out, but he does get them on America's most wanted. Almost oh, really? Immediately. Yeah. Uh, in March of 2009, um, the missing child activist announced a $60,000 reward had been collected by local businesses. Do you want to know who it was? Who? Polly class's father. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Who's huge still into this yeah. age. Yeah, huge. Wow. Um, in September of 2009, they increased the reward by $40,000. It was a donation from the governor's reward program. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one of the officers had gone to Arnold Schwarzenegger and been like, Arnold. Hey, fucker, you have all this money. I know, I do. So, yeah. Get um, to the chopper. They, they looked hard into Dave. Um, you know, they were, she was a teenager. They fought, but they, they got along, but they questioned his whereabouts for the day and all that kind of shit. They ended up not clearing him until April. Oh, really? Yeah. They searched home computers and family computers. Um, and I, I, everybody was like, take it, take what you need, take everything that you need. So they assigned one detective to interview uh, the approximately 20 local sex offenders in the immediate neighborhood surrounding the school. Yeah. Uh, they considered the immediate area, quote, the ones that were either on her way to school or in the immediate area, but they didn't go outside of that radius, uh, which means they never questioned John Gardner, <sighs> who lived two miles away from the school. Oh, Jesus. And they had nothing to connect him. Now, Carrie and a group of searchers actually started knocking on doors of all the sex offenders. <laughs> Which resulted in a lot of complaints from them. Uh, I bet. Uh, they did knock on John Gardner's door, but he wasn't home. Um, Amber was issued or featured in the November 2009 issue of People magazine. Um, and they said that she was, quote, believed to be among the roughly 115 youths who are abducted by strangers every year. God. It's so scary. It's so fucking scary. Like, so scary. Yep. So, now, um, he, so John's got a girlfriend, uh, Jariah. She had a young son and said when they first started dating, he wanted to do all these family things with his son and everything, and, um, but then said his moods were volatile. 
he'd be totally great one minute and then the next minute he would misunderstand something that you said and would get upset and freak the fuck out. Yeah. Um, they had a violent fight one night where a, a toilet ended up getting broken and a, a door was broken, but um, he... He was never just. He wasn't described as being violent towards her. Just objects. Just right. Um, so by October of 2009, Kathy noticed his behavior was indicative of a mental break. She had seen it before. Yeah. So she he had in in the meantime around the summer of 2009, um, started smoking meth. So he smoked pot, Jariah smoked meth, and he wanted to see what all the fuss was about. If you have mental issues, don't smoke. Right. Um, It doesn't help. He did say it made things worse. It made him feel weird, and he didn't get up and, like, focus on things. He just became unmotivated. Yeah. It's, I, I... Yeah. It's just like my experience. You know, I struggle from mental illness, from a mental illness, I tried the gummies, and right that away was, I yeah, told you, th- these aren't good. Yeah. The, these are fucking me up yeah. even more. So, I mean, God, if, if you're smoking or <clears throat> taking something that's mm-hmm. fucking you up even more, stop. Yeah. He started slow. Um, he did it once a month for like three months, and then did it twice a month, and then would go uh, once or twice a month on like three-day-long benders. Um, and a friend, like I said, described him as the nicest guy in the world when he was sober, but when he was drunk, he was intense and rowdy. And when he was on drugs, he was frazzled. But again, he was never violent. Yeah. Um, so he started telling Kathy at this point that things were going on in his head, similar to what was going on in prison when he was going to the psych ward all the time, but that he couldn't tell her about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in November of 2009, Jariah actually entered rehab at Serenity House in Escondido and left her black Nissan with John. Uh, on December 27th of 2009, unbeknownst to anybody until way later on, uh, John attacked a young woman on a jogging trail. Oh, Jesus. It was actually uh, a jogging trail that his mom and her husband frequented. Yeah. And they actually, the the person who ran the the group that they jogged with mm-hmm. told everybody not to go on the trails that night because oh, there had been an incident God. yeah um so he had been sharing an apartment with jariah but when she was in rehab he couldn't afford it on his own so on january 5th of 2010 he left the apartment uh left the keys in the drop box with the balance still being owed and moved into his grandmother's house on lake elsinore i believe in riverside county which was 54 miles north of kathy's condo um, he couldn't live with Kathy. She lived too close to a school. Mm, so a yeah. cousin would say that he kind of split his time between grandma's house and mom's house. Yeah. He did register uh, on January 7th, 2010, which was in the five days that was required due to Megan's law. Uh, a couple days later, he crashed his car in the middle of a parking lot. Oh, okay. Gave a bullshit story and no charges were filed. So again, oh, he's wow. off the radar. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Over January and February, John said he tried to find placement with an inpatient mental health facility or a drug rehab, but nobody would take him. Really? He was a sex offender. Wow. So. It's kind of like me. It's it's apples and oranges. Yes. But. In in a wheelchair. He's reaching out for help and you're telling him no. Yeah. And you're not only telling him no, you're not telling him where he can go. Right. 
you're not giving him any resources. You're not giving him options. It's like, you know, we sat in the air for five days, and after five days, they're like, so we can't place you. Yeah. Have a nice night. Yeah, Call your you wife to have her come get you. But nothing, you weren't treated. And I treated. was still fucked up. You weren't treated in right. any way, shape, or form. So, I mean, this guy's, he's not only trying, his mom is trying. So it's not yeah. like he's bullshitting, you know? Right, right. Um, so because of this, on February 8th, 2010, Kathy took him to Riverside County Mental Hospital with the hopes of an admission. Mm-hmm. Um, they spoke to the doctor, and he told the doctor that he felt he was a 5150, which would be, it, that would cl- classify you as an involuntary admission, you okay. know, eligible for it. Yeah. It's like our 1096 5150. Yeah. Um, he told the doctor he was afraid he was going to hurt someone, and the doctor said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I'm either going to kill myself or I'm going to kill someone else. Uh, okay, there you have it. Boom. The doctor's like, you're just manic and you need some meds. Oh, Jesus. Doc, what are you doing? So he's like, okay, but I have a hard time with medications. I need to be admitted to get adjusted to medications because yeah. I tend to have like manic episodes. episodes. Yeah. And the doctor's like, nah. You'd be fine. You'd be good. Once it, once you Dude. get used to the medication, and that's when him and his mom were like, okay, but I, I don't get used to the medication. I have to be like weaned on and weaned yeah. off. So he said the medicine, they can't remember what they were, uh, but the meds kind of made him feel similar to meth. Like his mental health felt better, but he felt high. Yeah. Now, he had been clean since New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. Five days later, on February 13th, which was a year to the day of Amber's disappearance, he tried to induce a heart attack by taking five triple doses of ecstasy, four either oxy pills or Vicodin. Uh, he smoked an eight ball of speed, followed by two lines of cocaine, and washed it all down with 18 beers. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He woke yeah, up. Yeah, that's a party. He woke up two days later. Oh, my God. And he woke up and Jariah was pissed at him because she got a day pass from rehab for Valentine's Day. Yeah. And he, like, blew her off. Oh, my God. So he ended up getting a severe sinus infection from, I don't know, snorting everything. Snorting all the coke? But it caused, uh, like, a psychotic and homicidal break. And he knew it. He said, I would fly off the handle. Like, I, I wanted to physically harm someone. Yeah. So they took him to the hospital. They said that he was stressed out, mentally unbalanced, and physically ill. His mom describing him as Charlie Sheen on steroids. Oh, jeez. But they released him. Oh, my God. After his release, he called eight different facilities with his mom's help. So he did call. And they all refused him um, because he was a sex offender. Dude, now, when you have someone right. reaching out. Right. So now a lot of the, the mental health facilities, real. they had been like subsidized yeah. um, around that time. But according to the San Diego County, um, none of their programs that they offered took sex offenders. Now, they had to, if it was like a court-ordered treatment, they had certain beds for court-ordered treatment. Yeah, You could not be a violent offender. He was not a violent offender per se. Per right. his record. Right. But the hospital said, well, because it was a minor, no. Okay. Most sex offenders do offend against minors. So right. what are you doing? But if you're going to be put with all adults, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what is the issue? Right. So now. Because when I was in the hospital, we were separated. Right. 
Right. You know, we, we were all on the fourth floor. Right. But juveniles were in a completely different yeah. section than the adults. Yeah. So now, again, I'm not, I'm not justifying behavior. I'm not excusing behavior in any way, shape, or form. I feel more for his mom than anything because his mom, she tried. And she knew. His family knew. His sister Shannon was quoted later as saying uh, that the family felt, quote, lots of guilt because we couldn't get him in somewhere. Yeah. So they tried. He yeah. tried. They tried. And just the resources weren't, they weren't there. Yeah. You know? It's a shame. Yeah. So five miles east of Kathy's condo was Poway, Poway. It was an effluent, and this is how it was described in the sources that I read. It was described as an affluent, white, family-oriented suburb of San Diego, described as, quote, the city in the country. It was also uh, deemed one of the best places to retire by US, U.S. News, excuse me, and urban crime, such as murder and rape, was so rare that it did not register on any of the demographic charts. Really? Yes. Isn't wow. that crazy? Yeah. So, now we move on to Chelsea. Chelsea King was born July 1st of 1992 to parents Kelly and Brett. Brent, excuse me, Brent. Uh, there were complications. Uh, she was born by C-section and they did not remove all of the placenta, which caused an infection and scarring. Mm-hmm. Um, so they ended up filing a lawsuit looking for money for future surrogacy, which the lawsuit was dismissed. Mom could not get pregnant again. Oh. Um, so it kind of made her like... Their, their baby, yeah. like their baby. Yeah. So Brent was in bake, banking, and they lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, but moved to Naperville, Illinois. Hey, right next door. They lived in Naperville for 10 years. They removed or returned to Poway in 2007, buying a one-acre lot on Butterfield Trail. Um. As she was entering March of 2010, uh, she was a popular senior with a 4.2 GPA, and her advanced placement classes outnumbered her regular classes. This one like, was like a fucking knife in my stomach, because this is yeah. my daughter. This yeah. is me describing my own child. Yeah. Um, she was a peer counselor. She played volleyball, and she ran cross-country. Mm-hmm. She would write poetry. One of her poems was called My Great Balancing Act. And it was like um, like a tribute to Dr. Seuss. Yeah. And one of the lines said, quote, today is my day. My mountain is waiting and I am on my way. She still slept with a stuffed animal that she received as a child, but was a sophisticated thinker who inspired and impressed many with her achievements. That is our daughter. She was best friends with her younger brother. That is our daughter. Yeah. To a T. I was like, ugh. So normally she would run around the high school. But on February yeah. 25th, 2010, she decided to run at the Rancho Bernardo Community Park. Uh, she did this because she was scouting uh, an area for an environmental cleanup project that her and her friends were planning for the upcoming weekend. Um, so her schedule was like clockwork. Yeah. Most mornings she would leave the house at 6.15 for a... Um, peer uh like a uh, peer counselor meeting and her classes ended at 2 p.m yeah her mom and dad would come home um her dad was a mortgage broker her mom was an ma at a dermatologist's office they would both get home around six o'clock uh when they got home they didn't see her black 1997 bmw in the driveway and they each thought the other one would have talked to her 
Yeah. Um, it's unusual, obviously. Mm-hmm. So the sun set at 543. Mom starts calling her, starts calling her friends. Nobody had seen her. Um, at 649, her dad called AT&T and had her phone pinged. Good job, Dad. Yes. It pinged at the park. So he left immediately. He found her car. Um, her purse was in the back seat along with her school clothes as if she had changed before running. Mm-hmm. Now, Chelsea could run up to eight miles. So dad's like, she could be anywhere. She could have fell yeah. anywhere. Mom was concerned because she had recently uh, passed out running. Oh, so mom's really? like, fuck. So at 718, she called the sheriff's department to report her missing. Yeah. Um, they, uh, sheriff's department, there's a lot of officers names. Um, so I, I couldn't include all of them. Yeah. Um, but the mom and dad brought the spare keys to the scene. So when police showed up, they handed the keys right over, searched the car. Mm-hmm. And one of the female officers that showed up on scene first immediately said, something's not fucking right. Yeah. Something's not right. They said that because they had a last point of, um, the fuck do they call it? Contact. whereabouts yeah um they knew something was wrong right so again just as with amber they immediately pulled out search and rescue mm-hmm. and within hours hours um there was upwards of hundreds multiple hundreds wow of teenagers and volunteers searching the area that's great um it was technically the jurisdiction of the san diego police department but because mom had called the sheriff's department Mm -hmm. they started it there was big controversy later about why the san diego pd allowed the county to keep it it was it had to do with an election and bullshit but it had nothing to do with it doesn't matter so they ended up finding her cell phone in her purse in the back seat no. Um, there was a storm coming, so they knew they had to like get shit really going. Yeah. Um, it turns out, you know, they had all of these people searching. They by the time they got the spokesperson there around nine, they felt that it would kind of be easy because somebody had heard what they thought was a female saying back, Help me, help me. Yeah. It was actually one of the searchers yelling Chelsea. Oh. So yeah. Okay. Um, now on that Thursday, a civilian employee of the sheriff's department went searching behind his house with his wife when he saw the helicopters. Um, when it it became dark, he went back out without his wife and searched the same trail with a flashlight. And at 1135 PM, he found a pair of female ankle socks and a pair of thong underwear. Mm. He immediately called the San Diego Police Department, who came out and collected the evidence to have it tested. Yeah. And they immediately put out a reverse 911 call. Yeah. Again. Um, Good job. Uh, the head investigator at this point by 1 a.m. was like, okay, we got to get this water searched. Yeah. So they called divers out. Uh, by 3.30 a.m., he knew he had to call for reinforcements. So he called the California Emergency Management Agency, um, who... Stepped up immediately. Sent God, people I wish and dogs. we had that. They ended up having, in all, when all was said and done, 100 and different, 180 different teams from Jeez. 45 different California agencies. Holy shit. By Friday, the FBI was involved. Mm-hmm. They were like, what do you need? We'll give it to you. They asked for 25 agents and a SWAT team. They got it. Mm. Now, people started questioning, what is, why is it so different? 
between Amber and Chelsea. Yeah. The areas they lived in, affluent areas. And the police were very honest. They're like, listen, inadvertently, yeah, that might have been it. But they were two very different circumstances. Yeah. Amber disappeared. Right. Chelsea, it was kind of like, you know, Amber disappeared walking somewhere. Chelsea was in the fucking woods, you know. Right. So... There was a uh, an investigator from the FBI's Crimes Against Children unit who was actually working on Amber's case and took a break from Amber's case to go work on Chelsea's case. Mm. Uh, shortly after that, they found a size eight Adidas running shoe with a uh, it was a silver shoe with yellow stripes and a sole yeah. lying on top of some broken branches. They didn't want to traumatize Chelsea's parents even more, so they they took pictures of it to show her parents to say, do you know, does this look familiar? A hundred FBI agents and multiple police officers from Escondido and er, no Poway, excuse me. uh, They ended up going door to door to 360 homes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's impressive. Then the safe unit of the FBI, the sexual assault felony enforcement unit, Mm -hmm. and officers from the Department of Justice interviewed violent sexual offenders for a 10 to 15 mile radius. On February 27th, they found a sports bra. Um, When they showed the picture to the mom, she said that it does match the size, color, and brand of a recently purchased two-pack that Chelsea had just bought. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, The investigator at this point said that they're not dealing with the average killer, that this one is, quote, a lot smarter than your average killer. He's covering his tracks. Yeah. Um, So they they ended up searching for similar crimes. Yeah. And when they... What are you texting? I'm not texting. When they searched for the, um, the similar crimes, they discovered the December 27th, 2009 attack. Yeah. The girl had gotten away. Um, she was a 22-year-old Candace Moncaya who was running and had actually just uh, ran eight miles, just like Chelsea had done. Yeah. Um, and she was heading south on a trail when she saw a man walking towards her. She described him as 25, 5 foot 11, and about 230 pounds with a heavy to muscular build, brown hair, and brown eyes. She said he was clean shaven with a, quote, military crew cut, was wearing a blue sweater with a horizontal white stripe and blue jeans. She fucking paid attention. Wow, did she um, ever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Usually eyewitnesses are uh, yeah. brown, I mean, green yeah, eyes. Exactly. Uh, so um, she ended up later on saying that he was closer to six foot two. Okay. Um. She said, good morning. I thought it was strange for somebody to be out running in jeans, but figured if he yeah. lived nearby, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, she said he responded kindly, but then without any warning, he tackled her from the side as she went to run past him. He knocked her down, climbed on top of her, pinned her shoulders to the ground, um, and she started screaming for help. Yeah. He told her to shut up, and she said, uh, no, you'll have to fucking kill me first. Wow. And he said, well, that can be arranged. He told her to Jesus. shut up again, and she started yelling no repeatedly. Yeah. Um, she said a few other things to Candace, or he said a few other things to Candace, which um, she didn't really 
detail. They were crude, so she didn't really detail them in a public interview. Yeah. Um, he he realized at some point that she was afraid he was going to rape her, and he said, I don't want that. I just want your money. And she said, I don't have any fucking money, you know? Yeah, I'm running. Um, he she, she wrote in her report that he did not touch her in a sexual manner. Um. He, when she told him she didn't have any money, Candace said he grabbed her by the shoulders and began to shake her, quote, the way you shake a child. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, here's the thing. He kind of picked the wrong fucking girl. She was the daughter of John Mancayo, a five-time world kickboxing champion. <laughs> or that she'd been involved in jujitsu for most of her life. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, she said because of that, her natural instinct and, quote, the grace of God, she, she was able to fight him off. So what she did was she put her left hand into position behind her, pivoted, jabbed her right elbow sharply into his nose. As she felt the crunch of the cartilage, he let her go, grabbed his nose, which was gushing blood, and she ran as fast as she could to the nearest house. Good job. Now, when he moved to his grandmother's a week-ish later, his cousin noted that he had two black eyes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder why. Huh. Things hmm. that make you go, hmm. Yeah. So now, now they know this is, okay, we really got to look into this. Yeah. So they end up, um, they end up sending her, or the the thong underwear and the socks that they found. The underwear did have a little bit of blood on it, but it was apparently a perfect sample. Um, they sent it away for testing. Now, it came back as a match. So wow. he was. Uh, they took, excuse me, they took evidence from Chelsea's clothing, which obviously turned out to be Chelsea's clothing, mm-hmm. um, along with um, evidence from Candace. Yeah. She did have, like, touch DNA or whatever. She gave her clothes and everything yeah. the day she gave the report. Yeah. Um, they sent it all to be tested. Um, the DNA matched the um, DNA sample from from him, obviously. Um he was then arrested on February 28th in the Del Dios district of Escondido, California. Nice. So that was where they, you know, that's where Amber went missing. So did they, how did they take him in? Do you know? Uh, apparently he was at a bar and he didn't put up a fight at all. Good. Um, Good job. Yeah. They ended up uh, on March 2nd. They found her body buried in a shallow grave on the southeast corner of Lake Hodges, um, where they had found some of her clothes clothes nearby it. Mm. Um, But they they state that Candace's description was the key. Yeah. Without the description, they would not have known to go towards him. That's awesome. So... um, That's so fucking... Awesome. They end up finding out, too, that um, while canvassing the area, that there was a witness that indicated that somebody that matched his description had visited the park multiple times after King's disappearance, after Chelsea's disappearance. Yeah. Now, Amber's body um, was never found. They still have not. They did not find her. And he's not. He's, he's not, not saying. No, no. 
What a fucking piece of shit. Yep. And when you look at him, you just want to punch him in the fucking face. Yeah. But when you look at him, Candace's description, spot motherfucking on. Really? Spot on. Yeah. Uh, on April 16th, 2010, uh, John pled guilty to the murder and rape of both Amber. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Her remains were found. Oh, good. Right after. I don't know why I thought they weren't. They were found um, on the northern border of Pala, California Indian Reservation on March 6th. Uh, so four days after Chelsea's were found. Oh, wow. I apologize. I don't know why I thought they weren't found. Um I think something I read too soon. I don't know. Um, he pled guilty to both after the prosecutors agreed to not seek the death penalty. He admitted Fuck to that. yep kidnapping, Fuck raping, that. and stabbing Amber. He also admitted to dragging King to a remote area where he raped and strangled her and then buried the body. Uh, in addition, he also admitted and pled guilty to attempting to rape Candace Moncayo in December 2009. Who got away? Um, in one of the sources that I read, his mom was getting her nails done and had seen a woman at the same nail salon all the time. Yeah. Um, and overheard her talking about her daughter. It was Chelsea's mom. Oh, my God. That she was sitting right next to. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, sentencing was originally set for June 1st. Um, however, it took place on May 14th of 2010, where he was sentenced to two life terms without awesome. the possibility of parole. Awesome. Uh, the parents of both Amber and Chelsea and Candace Moncayo made impact statements prior to the sentencing, describing the impact his crimes had on their lives and their determination to see to it that Chelsea's law was signed into California state law. It was signed into California state law on September 9th, 2010. Uh, it's to help prevent similar crimes in the future. I couldn't find a lot on it. I know that's terrible. I'm sorry. Um, oh, um, so the Chelsea's parents ended up also retaining a lawyer. Yeah. Um, it, they they tried suing him under what's called Marcy's Law. Okay. Uh, the act protects and expands the legal rights of victims of crime to include 17 rights in the judicial process, including the right to legal standing, protection from the defendant, notica notification of all court proceedings, and restitution, as well as granting parole boards far greater powers to deny inmates parole. Wow. So that's... Uh, yeah, that's a great one. That's awesome. Um, Chelsea's law would mandate that some of the worst child molester offenders would face lifetime prison sentences. Good. A punishment previously reserved in California for murder only. Good. Uh, in addition, because of Chelsea's law, some paroled child molesters deemed at risk of reoffending would be barred from state parks. As they should. Mm-hmm. Um, he then obviously waived his right to appeal yeah um because he took the plea agreement to take the death penalty off the table fuck that and he is currently incarcerated at mule creek state prison in california mm -hmm. mm, two life yep. sentences i mean that's at least something good he's never getting out but in my opinion he should get the, yeah. the death penalty so 
I, I, you don't hear it very often. Um, a lot of, of murder victims, families are just better people than I am. Yeah. Um, because they're like, well, you have to forgive to get on with your life. Not forgiving is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right. I understand that. I do. A hundred percent. But I was listening to something about the Idaho murders mm-hmm. and the parents of one of the victims was like, we live in Idaho. It's a death penalty state. Yes. If he's guilty, I want no mercy for him. Yeah. There's a reason the death penalty exists. Yes. It, you're exactly right. Take him. Yep. Take him. Yep. There's no reason that he should be walking this earth no. when he took my daughter's life. No. And our tax money yep. shouldn't be fucking paying yep. for him. Yep. The dad was like, remove him from the earth. Yeah. There's no reason you shouldn't. Yeah. So... I wouldn't agree to a, a plea agreement. And they asked no. one of the attorneys, like, you know, in order to get this guy out of the death penalty for the Idaho case, the attorney, he's like, well, the, Keith Morrison. Oh, yes, Keith. Him. He's like, you know, do you have to get the parent's permission? And the attorney is like, you technically don't. Yeah, you, you really don't. But I don't know an attorney worth his weight that would fucking not ask the parents, right. are you okay with this? And the parents of the one girl were like, he ain't getting shit from us. Right. <laughs> There's no such thing as a fucking plea agreement. No. Mm-hmm. Kill him. Yep. God damn it. I, I agree. I, I totally 100% agree like with I that. I just, I mean, these people are incredible. You know, they, they try to get these laws passed so it doesn't happen to somebody yeah, else. They're incredible people. Poly, Poly Glass's dad yeah. still, like he's just, he's an advocate. And yep. Because I, I don't know how I would... How do you go on? I go on living. How do you go on? Right. I I don't know. They're better people than we are. I, yeah. I, I don't, I can't even fathom. <sighs> I can't even fathom that. Well, that was, uh, thank you for diving into that. That uh, was a good case, but that was a hard just one. heart, heart wrenching. Yeah. You know, I, uh, so I finished it up tonight mm-hmm. and I, I knew a little bit about Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, but like reading into it more, I'm like, oh. Like yeah. I'm describing my kid. Oh God, yeah. I'm describing to a my fucking kid. Yeah. God. To a T. That's it's frightening. It's frightening. Mm. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, our next episode will be in a couple days. Um, it is going to be a case out of Rhode Island. Um, hit us up on social media. We, we, well, not Jamie. She's trash. I know. <laughs> I, uh, I love getting your messages. I, you know, I, I sit at home all day. So yeah. So seriously, the more you message him, the less he fucking bothers me. Ever. Right. Right. But yeah, I love getting your messages. I try to respond back to everyone. Um, you know, whatever platform you listen, listen to us on, hit us with that five star liking. Mm-hmm. Uh, please share, follow, like the whole kit caboodle. I got to tell you guys too. He called me today and I didn't answer cause you know, I'm working, uh, hmm. and I get answer. Yeah. It's important. I call him back. I'm like, what is wrong? I need a monster. <laughs> Fucking hang up my that, phone. That is important. Oh my God. I need, I need a monster. Ooh, I just burped. I do fucking too. Now leave me alone. Mm. Yeah. So message him because then he won't. Then he can tell you guys he needs a fucking monster. <laughs> Ugh, I keep burping. Mm. The panda. Uh, I don't know if that was such a good idea. 
I thought I was dying. And they forgot my egg rolls. Fuckers. How do you make an egg roll? Mm -hmm. You push it. (laughs) Gotcha. I swear to fucking God. (laughs) All of you that are encouraging these dad jokes. I'm just going to have him start calling you so oh, he doesn't yes. have to tell me. Yes. And if you have some dad jokes, please let me know. I love reading them. Jesus fuck. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. All right, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, give us a couple days for our next episode. And we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.